Guys. Hello. Welcome to this week's episode of the 13th Floor Podcast. I'm Cece. I'm Alex. I'm James. And today is our Patreon exclusive episode. We're talking about secret slash restricted places. Oh, I thought you were saying it was exclusive for Patreon, but it's not. No, no. This is our main episode, but it was submitted into the fabulous Patreon vase by Ah. our dear listener, Jordan. So thank you, Jordan, again for submitting this. Um, yeah, because, you know, the Patreon vase is a way to fast track any topic you want, basically, to the, the front of the line, so. Mm. Yeah. Way to go, Patreon vase. And yeah. way to go, Jordan. Thank you. Yeah. So, how you guys been? Doing good. Yeah? Doing good. Let me guess, James. James, what have you been doing? Oh, you know, this and that. <laughs> yep. <laughs> He's been doing this and that. James, it's been a while since we've had a spider update. How are your your little eight legged dudes doing? They're doing good. I'm I'm kind of shocked that pickles hasn't gone into brumation, which is basically hibernation, but you're conscious, and uh, they're all fat, and that's nice. Nobody's molted for some reason. They've not molted. They're just fat. Nothing better than a fat mm. spider. Definitely an American yeah. spider. That's for sure. And how's pickle? How, how's <laughs> Uh, how is yeah your vinegaroon is just he's just hanging out yeah when it's cold uh outside and there's less daylight they usually brumate but he's as active as ogre wow he just wants to spend time with james he does he just wants to crawl on james's hand Mm. i've been cooking a lot lately that's been my thing i made some red beans and rice the other day and it was delicious james it was good. I'm gonna start a writing blog or a writing no, blog. Wow, a cooking blog. Oh, are you? Yeah, with all my recipes that I got off of uh, Google. <laughs> no, it's gonna be called Clean Beans. Clean Beans. Yeah, red beans and rice. Oh, it was so good, James. But yeah, but I have to be very careful about what I eat right now because I was diagnosed with gestational diabetes. Mm, Which is uh, not too surprising because I had it with Gwen, but I've got to be more conscious about the food that I'm making and eating, which Mm. is what it is. We all had a lengthy chat about Little Debbie ice cream, and I I actually went to Walmart today to get some, and they didn't have any, and I was furious. Can you imagine how mad you were? Yeah, I got arrested at Walmart for kicking over so many things. (laughs) (laughs) I, that nobody even knew. I was I was friendly and smiling. Yeah, but inside you were crying. You wouldn't like me when I'm mildly disappointed. <laughs> Ooh, I'd be scared. Well, you got you've got to tell me what you <laughs> think you, of the ice cream. I especially want to know how the Swiss cake roll tastes because I will not be able to try Ooh. it anytime soon. I can tell you, Alex. You <laughs> shut your gap. <laughs> That's the thing. That's mm. the thing. Every time I go on like a diet, like when I had to go on my detox diet, Alex was like, I'll do it with you. I did do it with you. He did it with me for like three days. And then, he, and then he would come home and be eating like Taco Bell or something. That was like, is All right. such fake news. Okay. I did that for you with like for a month. You did not. I did. You and Gwen ate so much stuff that I couldn't eat. And I just had to sit on the other side of the room staring at you thinking, I want some of that bread. Ooh, I feel like you have some false memories. You did work. You used to work in the news industry, so I can't really trust you. Oh, my gosh. All right. Listen, <laughs> enough of that. I think that I think that I want to hop into an icebreaker. James, do we have an icebreaker? Um, yeah, I was just thinking, um, you know, because... We're talking about restrictive places. Um, 
when you were a kid, did you follow any peculiar like rules that that, that don't make any sense as an adult at all? Mm-hmm. You mean like the don't swim after you eat rule? That's a good oh, one. That one's complete nonsense. Why well, I don't I don't quite understand why that rule existed. Well, if you eat a heavy meal and you immediately go swimming, yeah, you you could get cramps. But yeah, it's it's nonsense. The the whole wait an hour because you had a sandwich, you know, or I don't know. Yeah, it's like wait fifteen minutes Salty. after you eat or something like that, right? Or something. Yeah, it's, it's based on the amount. If, if you eat something light, if you have like a flipping goldfish cracker, just jump right in. It doesn't matter. <laughs> James, yeah. James, I have a feeling that you had lots of rules like this. What were your rules? Oh, yeah. I Well, I was OCD, so I had some insane rules. Um, like I would not step on a crack for, for any reason. And uh, the craziest rule I had involved the remote. This was when I was like 10. There was a period of time where if I wanted to watch a channel that I wanted in this period, there wasn't like we, we had like the double digit channels, you know, not triple digit. Right. Um, so let's say I wanted to go to channel three or something. I couldn't just push zero three. So because that wasn't the number that it needed to be, it needed to be six numbers. So I would push like zero two zero one zero three, and that would get me to zero three without breaking my insane OCD rule. Dang, Jake. Oh, and even now, actually, uh, I can't stand it when light switches are asymmetrical. Oh, really? You know, like where one's up and one's down. Like up means on, down means off. (laughs) Yeah. You don't, oh, oh, you just don't like it backwards? Like, you don't, or you just don't like two switches? I don't like it backwards. And like, let's say I'm going to bed, you know, you turn all the lights off. If one of them's up and the lights are off, it's like, mm, I don't like this. <laughs> I mean, there's nothing you can do about it, but it's like, I don't like it. <laughs> yeah, we've got, we've got a light switch at the bottom of the stairs and one at the top of the stairs that control the and, exact same thing. So one's always going to be up and one's always going to be down. I've never really thought about it before, yeah, but. Don't like it. Don't like it. You know, I I really don't think that I had any rules that I followed strictly that other people didn't follow. Don't have to be your rules, but yeah. Well, I guess maybe don't step on a crack or you'll break your mother's back. I (sighs) didn't follow that one religiously, but, you know, I knew knew of it. I knew some people that (sighs) followed it. But, yeah, as a kid, I was very kind of free when it comes to that stuff. (sighs) CC had no rules. I had no rules whatsoever. <laughs> Free ride. <laughs> yeah. And Alex, I guess you just don't go swimming. I mean, I, you didn't really follow that after a certain age. But at first, I mean, I remember everyone being like, oh, yeah, at least after you eat, wait 15 minutes. It's like 15 minutes. Alex was, and then he'd <laughs> sit on the Ridiculous. side of the pool and cry exactly. until the 15 minutes was over. That's right. That pool was a little, that water was a little bit higher after I got done crying. <laughs> <laughs> swimming in his own tears. Yeah. Well, you guys, that's that's our icebreaker. Are you guys ready to talk about some restricted places? Yeah. Sounds I want good. James to go first this episode. Okay. Can okay. do. Yeah, there's two places I want to talk about. The first is very benign. And that is Kahulawi. What? And yeah, Kahulawi, man. So Duh. there's actually an... <laughs> What? <laughs> yeah. So here's the deal. There's an island in Hawaii called Kahulawi. It's the smallest of the eight major islands. 
Um, but the island and the surrounding waters are off limits. Hmm. The only way that you can go there is if you're a volunteer. Like, you know, you're actually trying to help with something. And that's because originally it was uninhabitable because uh, it was a training ground and it was a bombing range for the military after World War II. But then in 94, they actually gave it back to the state of Hawaii. And the state of Hawaii was like, well, we don't want like this kind of stuff to happen again, really. <laughs> so Kahulawi is just for Native Hawaiians. And so volunteers are allowed to go there, but it's not a tourist place. It's not for outsiders. So, yeah, it's not something for you to just casually visit unless, again, you plan on improving the island. So... I just huh. think that's kind of neat. Like when you think about it, you know. And then, uh, what? what? What's there now? Is it just like houses and where people live? Yeah, I mean, for the most part. Okay. Um, but that's not even the more interesting one. Yeah, you heard me. <laughs> so <laughs> there's actually a an island called Nihau as well, which I cannot say without thinking of the Japanese word Nihau, or sorry, Chinese blue. Um, but Nihau is the only place on earth. And this has nothing to do with volunteers at all. This has to do with cultural preservation. Um, it's also only for Hawaiians and it does not include volunteers. It's privately owned and it only has 170 people living there. And some people say 250. So that makes me very concerned because <laughs> it's a big spread. But the, the thing to know about it is, it's, it's called the Forbidden Island, which that alone sounds flipping cool. Yeah. It's an invite-only place. Travelers, when they hear about it, myself included, when I went to Kauai, that's how I found out about it. I was like, but I want to go because I'm not allowed to go. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, you're not allowed to have guns. You're not allowed to have bows. You're not allowed to have smokes. You can't have any of that. And it's because it's owned by these folks named the Robinsons, and they have a cattle and sheep ranch, and it's like uh, basically cut off from the rest of the world. And this is the cool thing about it. Uh, you know how I mentioned preserving Hawaiian culture, which has been a tough thing because there was a long period where Hawaiian as a language wasn't even permitted to be taught. And now it's being reintroduced. Well, Nihau is actually the only place on earth where the predominant language is, is Hawaiian. Oh. So, yeah. So I just think that's kind of cool. And I understand the reason for that insular mindset, even though it's for privatized reasons. The other one is is for government reasons. The legislature just decided, you know, the only reason you're going here because it's borderline uninhabitable is if you're trying to make it inhabitable. Whereas in this case, it's private citizens saying, no, you can't come here. We're not selling chi-chi <laughs> and poi to people. So I just thought that was kind of neat, and and that's something that I'm, I'm totally cool with. I, both of those are very benign instances of places that you cannot go to. Wow, very interesting. Now I'm going to talk about a place that you can drive to. Wait, you say drive to less, or bribe to? Yeah. I heard drive I to. heard bribe. <laughs> uh, well, you know, that might work too. Um might be the only way to get in. So uh, this caught national attention after it was considered a likely reason for some very terrible wildfires that got spread like uh, this year, <laughs> basically. Well, last year, I guess, less than 12 months ago. And that's because there was a big, 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 big fire outbreak in uh, Colorado. And Turns out there's actually a place in Colorado that has a, a big 
let's call it a farm, but it's really more like a small town and it's kind of more like a base. And that is the 12 tribes. Hmm. So the 12 tribes have a very peculiar and interesting perspective. They were founded in Tennessee in the 70s. They're a Christian fundamentalist sect. That means that they literally interpret every component of the Bible. They don't really care much for the other Christian denominations. And uh, they are comprised of, and this is where I get real confused, 12 self-governing tribes made up of self-governing communities. And uh, yeah, so despite the name sounding very Jewish, and and they are very... uh, what would you call that Hebraic in their uh, interpretation of the Bible? They, they call God Yahshua, for example. Uh, very different bunch. They, yeah, they have their own deli chains that they have throughout Colorado, which is kind of interesting. Sure. And they also have little satellite groups all over the country and in some other countries, including Europe and Asia, and South America. So that's kind of peculiar. But the, the big issue with regard to them is unless you want to join their uh, let's, let's call it religion. (laughs) Uh, Cult seems a little mean spirited, although let's be real. It seems to be how it is from the outside looking in at least, but uh, yeah, (laughs) unless you want to join that, you're not permitted on that land. You are, you cannot be in that area. You'll probably get shot. Frankly. Um, They also, seem to believe, and this is from the SPLC, so I take it with a pinch of salt because they do publish some outlandish things, but presumably they teach that slavery was a great opportunity for black people and that black people are supposed to be servile towards whites. So if if that is the case, uh, I I don't know, man. That's uh, that's a little rough. (laughs) Are are we sure these are not people? Do they wear white robes often? (laughs) (laughs) Not, not, not sure. They've also been uh, investigated for child labor law breaches, uh, especially in Germany uh, because of their homeschooling practices, which that I'm a lot more open-minded about, to be honest. Um, But yeah. And, and one person who used to be in the 12 tribes says that they were beaten rather extensively growing up and said, I'm using air quotes, religious. Oh, wow. So, Mm-mm. Yeah, they're they're uh, and again they're being investigated largely because of that great big wildfire. But their land is their land; it is not your land. From Colorado to Colorado, how do they? This land was made for Yeshua's bunch only. That was a terrible parody, and I apologize. <laughs> how did that wild wildfire start? Do they have any idea, or is it just? That's the thing. We're not really even sure. We, it's we just know. ground zero. Gender reveal, huh? Um, what we do know is that ground zero appears to be the Marshall wildfire appears to have started uh, in their territory. So it's like, what's going on here? It is a little spooky though. Gotta be real. In Terra Stante. Okay. Well, James, those are two very restrictive, restrictive places. I'm going to go next. Kind of makes me want to volunteer on, uh, Lahui. Everybody, you know, anytime something's restricted, it's just like an inherent lizard brain desire to, you must at least see what it looks like, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's, Alex is very. It's like moonshine. People, you can buy vodka, but moonshine's illegal. Why not get moonshine? <laughs> exactly. Okay. It's my turn. I'm talking next. Now I'm talking about two places. Oh, okay. 
Yes. And I know that I've gotten dark in the past, so I'm getting a little lighthearted with my topics today. I'm going to be talking about a closely guarded secret and a place that only the rich and famous ever really get to go into. Aaron Hubbard's boat? <laughs> now, uh, the Coca-Cola <laughs> Vault and the Disney Club 33. Ooh, okay. Ooh, I got lots of my information from Atlas Obscura. Oh, I saw them. And Wikipedia. And that's a whole bunch of other sites, but... Uh, I'm going to talk about the vault first because I've actually been to this vault before, despite absolutely loathing Coca-Cola and sodas of all kinds. Alex drugged me to the... To I the, didn't drag you. We had friends in town. All of us wanted to go except for you. Yeah, that's right. I didn't yeah. want to go, so I had to go. So you kind of got like, I don't know, was it a single person dragging you? <sighs> yeah, I guess it was you and Dear Jay and Nate. Uh. Yeah, they... <laughs> I can't believe it. The smell. The, see, this thing, the smell oh of gosh. Coke makes me sick to my stomach. The end of that tour is awesome because you just get to take, taste soda from all around the world. That's what I want to do. It's amazing. James, if you come back to Atlanta, you and Alex we can, can go. go. We you guys can, can go. go. I got. I think I'll have a layover in uh, uh, April. We'll spend a few hours over the Coca-Cola factory and just get mm. all the bubbly. They'll get there bubbly crunk, and then and then James will hop onto his flight to go to Florida and get sick on the plane because he's had too much. No, he'll just have soda. lots of gas because he had so much carbonation. Jeez. Anyways, the recipe for this disgusting concoction it's a, it's a secret, right? <laughs> it's a secret that is kept secure. We're sponsored by Pepsi. <laughs> no, 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 it's all gross, but. It's kept in a vault at the world of Coca-Cola, a museum nestled in the heart of Atlanta, Georgia. And even though I absolutely loathe soda. All right, we got it. Listen, the <laughs> wow. the museum is actually pretty interesting to walk through. Yeah. Because you can see all the advertisements. That's the part that interests me. All the advertisements from over the years of Coca-Cola. And, but then at the end of the museum, you basically end it by seeing the chamber of the secret vault within which lies the original recipe for Coca-Cola. It was previously kept at SunTrust Bank in Atlanta before it was moved into the massive vault of the museum. But just just a little soda history for you, lovely listener. In 1886, a guy named Johnstith Pemberton created a drink that would go on to become Coca-Cola. He was a pharmacist and a Confederate Army veteran, and he ran a pharmacy in downtown Atlanta. And you guys, Mr. Pemberton... Had a morphine addiction. Whoa. Yeah, he got stabbed with a saber while fight, fighting in the Civil War. And to help himself. Mm, that'll do it. Yeah, that'll, that'll get you hooked to morphine. But he decided, like, I don't want to be hooked to morphine anymore. I need to fix this. So I'm going to try to find something else that I can, you know, help me feel better. And so he started experimenting with making different medicines for himself, which eventually led to the creation of Coca-Cola. So... It was initially supposed to be a medicine, and that's kind of what it was advertised as for first, especially for women for some reason. But yeah, it was like wine and coke. Yeah, well, <laughs> that's yes, literally what it was. It was the, the temperance. But when temperance was enacted, James, he needed to make a non-alcoholic version of his drink. Eventually, this recipe led to the the fountain drink. It's originally called Doctor Tuggle's Compound Syrup of Globe Flour. That has a nice wow. ring to it, right? I love that. That's so steampunk. It's <laughs> yeah, cool. For obvious reasons, it was renamed Coca-Cola by one of his business associates. 
And lots of people think that it's because of the cocaine that was in it, which kind of. Uh, kind of. Uh, it was uh, named after the use of cocoa or coca, a.k.a. Yeah. the stuff that cocaine is made out of, and then mm. cola nuts. Coca-Cola. Which, by the way, oh. coca leaves very, very mild compared to cocaine. It's a, a big difference. I've always wanted to go to Peru and, and like chew coca leaves because it's not like doing lines. Is it what? What would it do to you? I mean, they give it to babies. What? What would what would it do to you if you chewed a? Uh, basically, it helps with altitude sickness and it makes your mouth numb. That's like basically it. That doesn't sound like the worst thing in the no, world. No, I mean, again, they give it to babies when they're teething. Yeah. Yeah. Well, no, when they're tired, and they keep awake. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you got work to do, baby. We got a screenplay to write. Yeah. <laughs> no. Anyways, he eventually sold his recipe to a guy named Asa Griggs Candler shortly before dying, mind you. And that's Pemberton. He died. Uh, but he sold it for a whole $1,750, which is today only about $47,000. So he Golly. really did not sell it for very much considering what Candler and the following investors would do with it. But... Candler would eventually pass it on to Ernest Woodruff and his entourage, and then they ran with it. And they were the ones, I think, that actually wrote down the recipe on a piece of paper that is now what is inside the mystical Coca-Cola vault right here in Atlanta, Georgia. It's a trade secret. And the only way you could ever view it was if you purchased Coca-Cola Company. Ooh. Yeah. So that's the only way. And it was kind of like, I don't know about you, Alex, but when you're standing there in front of the vault, it's just like, wow. Like, and, and this, it reminds me of any television show where it's like, there's a box and you want to know what's inside the box. You know, that, you know, it's going to be disappointing when someone buys the company and they look and they're like, Oh, it's a little piece. It's of exactly what we make now. Except for it's not high fructose corn syrup. It's just real sugar. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe, maybe, but let's let's move on. Let's talk about another exclusive little private club that I know I probably won't ever make it into, but it's Disney Club 33, located inside New Orleans Square inside Disneyland. And to be honest, a lot of what goes on in that club is very secret, supposedly. But we do know that the club was initially created by the man behind the mouse himself, Walt Disney. Ooh. Yeah, he wanted a little space to entertain his business associates and then VIP guests. But sadly, dear Walt passed away a couple months before it officially opened. So he never actually mm. got to go to his little club. But they continued and carried on with it even after his, his death. Um, but you can only go if you can afford it, James. Do you think that you mm. – how much How much do you think it costs to get into Club 33? $33,000. <laughs> You're right, James. You're right. Oh, <laughs> oh I figured Walt Disney was like a mason or something. I figured that was the deal. Well, that's there's a lot of speculation about that. I found this oh. one article on allears.net by somebody who went in, and uh, they say that it's it's an invite-only club, so you have to be invited. You have to have a membership, which that's I think cool. is so rude. Like, I want to go inside there, but I can't because I don't have $33,000 to throw away for a mm. membership. But it is difficult to say the exact prices because apparently it changes year, you know, occasionally year to year. I can only imagine Dude. what it is with this inflation. But uh, what I just looked it up. Yeah. And Disney was part of Demolize International, which is affiliated with the Masons, 
but it's also named after Jacques de Molay, the last grandmaster of the Knights Templar. This is like some Assassin's Creed stuff. It's some Assassin's Creed stuff, Alex. <laughs> wow. Well, it's also Walt like, Disney was an assassin. Oh my gosh! No, the f- initial fee to join a couple years ago was supposedly somewhere between twenty five thousand to fifty k, and then I've seen other places that it's said to be thirty three k because it's like you know it's Club Thirty Three, which seems more fitting. But then you also have to pay an annual membership on top of that between 12 and 25 K annually. Mm. So it'll cost you a pretty penny to be a part of this club. And what does this member get you guys get you, you guys? Well, you can number one, see that special little club that Walt Disney dreamed up. I guess it was supposed to originally be an apartment, but it's 1313 Harbor Boulevard, more occult numerical stuff. 1313. What? Yeah. Harbor Boulevard. Well, you know, I read the reason for that is because in order, because this this part of the park was, I don't know if it's still this way, the only place that they could serve alcohol. And so they had mm. to have a liquor license for that and something with having a separate address versus the other. Uh, yeah, but I don't buy it. Club 33, Masons, Templars, and then 1313. Mm. I don't know. I don't know. But when I looked mm. at pictures of this place, it made me think of like this. It makes me think it's like musky smelling, like the haunted mansion. Kind of like smells like mm. stale air. But anyways, it's very ritzy. And you also supposedly get annual passes to the parks, 50 single day admission tickets and five private tours a year. Which why would you need five private tours a year? But Anyways, comes with it. Uh, you gain access to secret little lounges and restaurants inside each of the Disney parks. So there are restaurants that only exclusive members can go to. And that was the one that that all years girl went to. And before Disney sold alcohol on site, that was one of the only places where you get booze on the property. Hmm. But yeah. I, and you have to, this is the thing that I also thought was interesting. You have to pay for the food when you go inside. So it's like, I would think that the food would be included in your $33,000 membership Ooh. fee, but apparently it's not. And it's still very expensive. Yeah. Well, it's probably cause it ain't, uh, it ain't no subway sandwiches. You also, you also get last but not least exclusive merch. So you can get special little club 33 Mickey Mouse ears. Wow. <laughs> and then, and then one thing that I would actually want is a Disney Dooney and Burke purse. I would love to get a Disney oh, Dooney and Burke what? purse. Wow. James would love it too. But anyways, there are supposedly some conspiracy theories that float around surrounding Club 33. Uh, like, you know, it's some type of creepy Disney cult or some type of society. It's immediately like what I was thinking. human yeah, meat I on mean, the menu uh, yeah, type hands deal. Down. Yeah. I think we all hear Disney and Secret Club, and I think we all think the same thing, probably. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, I... Uh, the Why? thing that Because we're evil. <laughs> <laughs> No, the thing that just kind of like, it's so out of reach for a large majority of the world that I can't imagine rumors like that not popping up. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And when I read about it on DisneyTouristBlog.com, they wrote about, oh, actually, that was the blog where the girl talked about how they went in and that it's not even about the food at the restaurant, you guys. It's about the experience. Mm-hmm. And they wrote, you know, if you go, this is what you need to do and this is the best part. And it, I don't know. 
it just felt so out of out of touch just because it's something that so many people will never be able to do especially mm-hmm. if it's invite only and it costs $33,000 to get in like you know yeah and then in the comments there were a lot of people commenting about their own experiences and how much they love club 33 and it just I cannot fathom spending so much money on something like that like that's basically 2 years of tu- tuition for Gwen's daycare yeah it's just well, the guy who used to oversee Napa Rose is now the director for for Club Thirty Three's food. He's their chef. Who is the and Andrew Sutton? He, he used to oversee Napa Rose, so big name in in the culinary world. In other words, huh. well, if you want to join, I know that they say it's invite only, but I did find on DisneyWorld.Disney.Go.Com that you can email Club Thirty Three at WaltDisneyWorld.Com to inquire about joining. But supposedly the wait list is so long that it take you years to get off of it. So I don't know. There's something about that just rubs me the wrong way, having a secret, super secret club inside all the Walt Disney Worlds that only the rich and the famous celebrities can go to. Mm-hmm. But yeah, those are that's the Coca-Cola Vault and the Disney Club 33. Oh. Alex, what you talking about today? Yeah, mine's a little less civilian oriented, but still creepy. Maybe a little. It's like I don't know if it's creepy. Um, but I'm covering Metro Two. What's that? Oh well, I'll tell you. In I just love that game. Time. Yeah. All right. So there's rumors of underground structures, you know, all around the world. Uh, they're pretty abundant. Um, but I wanted to focus on Masco, Ma- Masco, Moscow's. Widely accepted, but very mysterious, and maybe not quite confirmed, Metro 2. <laughs> now, back when Stalin was in power before World War II, and just like any dictator in all of history, he's a little paranoid, you know? People don't t- tend to like dictators, so he probably was right to be paranoid. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. before WW2, uh, Stalin was allegedly building Metro 2 underneath his rural home. And obviously, this would be a nice little secret tunnel to get away in case of danger. And not only that, it's probably a great way to travel around Moscow, go to your various uh, facilities. So it would run from his home to the Ministry of Defense to command bunkers and various other military facilities. Now, a lot of information seems to dispute the expansiveness of Metro 2. But I'm inclined to believe that it is indeed probably pretty big. Vast. Um, Now, while it is disputed, some think the construction stopped when Stalin died. Now, that's probably impractical, in my opinion. And I agree with probably most of the sources that I've seen is that's probably each administration after Stalin has added to the metro. That makes sense to me. You know, why would you not expand your big secret network? It's a huge resource. Exactly. It is a huge resource. Now, um, while, you know, some people still, especially the government, might want to dispute the existence, um, we've had some interesting things happen regarding the facility. First, there's some writing uh, in a Russian, uh, on this Russian website that indicates possible le- uh, locations for the metro okay so it might it looks like it probably goes to the airport as you would expect yeah um uh, you know various government sites and all of that so not too different from what we would think Stalin probably had laid out now supposedly 
there's also a very large area, like, almost like a bunker, uh, capable of supporting 30,000 people for 30 years. Yeah, that's huge. Yeah. It was stocked, it's stocked with all these food piles. It's got bedrooms. It even has movie theaters and swimming pools. Wow. That's ritzy. Like, this place is nice. Like all, all the 30,000 rich Russians that get to go in here and live out a nuclear winter, good for them. Um, <laughs> now, it's also not unusual for subways to have incomplete lines, which is you know, a way maybe a government may deflect, like the Russian government. And be like, oh, well, those are just incomplete lines that never got finished. Like, New York's filled with these. Um, and as you'd expect, it, it, it this is all a frequent dismissal now. But if you go back to 2006, some builders were tearing down a big Moscow hotel near the Kremlin. Uh, this, this hotel used to be big for hosting a lot of the Communist Party and all that stuff. They knocked it down, and a developer came in with like this huge billion dollar project and just wanted to rebuild and, you know, make something nice. Now when they knocked it down, they accidentally revealed the underground of the building. And underneath the building was a series of secret tunnels that no one knew where they went. (laughs) This is really flipping cool. Right. So there's all these tunnels uh, and there's even a bunker that they say that was capable of holding 4,000 people there. You know, likely a nuclear bunker, as you'd expect. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's 250 bunkers in Moscow right now that are functional. I believe it. And I yeah. would, I'd be surprised if very many of them have been shut down. Yeah. Um, it seems mm-hmm. like Moscow is ready to live underground. Um, now, the developer of the project said that once this happened and like, all this stuff had been revealed... That suddenly, people in everyday clothes started to swarm the area and not allow any of the workers near the site. That's a bit weird. Mm. Yeah. So the idea is that this is probably the federal security force over there, the FSB. And so they swarmed it and they kept (coughs) all the workers away from the site um, while wearing plain clothes. Interesting. So, a little suspect, right? <laughs> so, is there any more evidence that these tunnels exist, guys? Well, other than calling in reporters who even asked questions about this thing in 2006, the government would call people in and grill them and see if they actually knew anything. <laughs> Um, other than that being a little odd, uh, then, um, they also, there's also this group that calls themselves diggers. Now they pride Mm. themselves, uh, going into hard to reach places and documenting. So they spend most of their time really just crawling through city sewers. Uh, Like urban explorers? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And Mm. so they've had, they've come across these tunnels and in 2020, Actually, a digger, um, and he's a popular exploration YouTuber. Um, he was suspected of sending secret information about the Moscow Metro, uh, Metro, well, just the Moscow Metro to Ukraine. And one of the things that he was also accused of was information about Metro 2. Now, the weird thing is, is the government will not confirm or deny the existence of Metro 2 right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but he got arrested and was accused of doing it. 
So take that for what it's worth. <laughs> um, and he got arrested for that back in 2020. Um, he made videos all the way back, all the way until 2021. Um, but when he was arrested, they he hasn't made a video in the quite some or in a, since October 2021. He's actually been found guilty of. Uh, espionage few, yeah uh, some crimes <laughs> well i think he got away from the espionage but he did get a prison sentence he got five years in prison so he's mm-hmm. gonna be in prison for the next five years he's 39 um, he pled not guilty uh word on the street was that he conceded a few things to avoid espionage charges um and the last piece of information that really bolsters the idea of this existing is a 1991 report by the U.S. Department of Defense about an extensive installation network underground in Moscow and all and its suburbs, and they claimed that would all of this would allow the government to continue to operate in the event of a nuclear war. Well, let's just hope we never get to nuclear war times. Yeah, yeah. So there's a lot. Of, there's a lot of factors that indicate it, um, but you know. Some people have been uh, arrested for this. So the guy that got arrested was Andre Pisa, and his his um, YouTube was Urban Urban Tourism U R B A N, and then Tourism T U R I Z M, all one word. He had eight hundred thousand subscribers, so he wasn't a small. Oh, wow, he wasn't a small timer uh, at the time when he got arrested. Now his last video. I'm taking a look at it to see what it is. His last video that he posted, I think, was... Arrested by KGB. Emotional. Sorry. Yeah, That's yeah, me. he was arrested by... <laughs> That's true. But uh, I can't find the date. Oh, there we go. Uh, August 2nd, 2020. So this was actually more than a year ago. What's the name of the video? So this, this was two months before he got arrested. He got arrested in October 2020. A year later, he got convicted of his five years in October of 2021. I can't read it. It's the the name Oh, it's of in the, Cyrillic. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, I don't know what it's called. But, but if you want to go hear him talk and probably go places, then you can go there. Neat. I think urban exploration is really, really cool. It is cool. But it is scary because it is like, it's illegal. <laughs> You're going someplace that you yeah. really should not be going. So, it's not something that I think that I would ever be able to do, but... I do find it very fascinating to think about all of the things that are under our feet that we don't think about on a daily basis because we just don't even realize they're there. Yeah. So, yeah. Like, James, underneath your apartment could be a giant, you know, underground cavern with ancient artifacts. Ooh. Isn't that crazy? It is. Or a missile silo. Ooh, James's missile silo. All right, James. You're next up. No, I, what? James already went. James already we all went. already went. Yeah, that was your your last one. This is wow! The end. <laughs> wow! What? I just, um, I just uh, about that. I um, I genuinely panicked too when you said I was up. <laughs> what? James, James has to go twice today. James is eyes are darting around. He's like, <laughs> no. James already went. He told us member about Hawaii. Oh yeah. No, he told us he gave us three. Two easy ones and a hard one. Yeah. Because he did three, you did two, I did one. Yeah, yeah, you did one. <laughs> it was a good one, though. Well, know. it was great. Wow. Uh, thank you guys for all of your hard re- work and research this episode. Thanks. Blood, sweat, 
and dosvidanya. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know any Russian words. All right. Well, I think with that, it's time to hit the road. Wait. But we've got to draw from the vase. Okay, go Drawing ahead. from the regular vase this week. Yes. Pick one out. What are we going to talk about next week? Oh, interesting. Unencountered tribes. How are they unencountered? Unencountered. I, that means oh, that, there's they're out there. Yeah, there are a lot of tribes out there that are unencountered. Or so are these like ones like they there's stories about, but we just don't have documentation of them. Well, we know they're there, but we're not allowed to hang out. In other words, yeah, you don't want to hang out with a cannibal tribe. No. Yep. <laughs> So that's that's what we're talking about next week. Unencountered tribes, kind of similar to this one. Another restricted place that you probably shouldn't yeah. go to. Yeah, probably not. But it'll be an a f- interesting episode. Um, <clears throat> Alex, who does our music? Our music is by Grant Cook. You can find his music on Spotify, iTunes, or YouTube Music, or somewhere. Um, anywhere you listen to music. Yes, and all of our Patreon subscribers. This week we are doing a trivia episode. So. Stay tuned for that. It's going to come out tomorrow. But until next week, we hope that you can keep keep it straight. straight.